6, starting in verse 12. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. I encourage you, if you have a Bible this morning, to physically open it up with us as we submit ourselves to the things that God tells us and to His good and perfect way. If you don't have a Bible this morning, it'll also be on the screen behind me, and I encourage you to read along as we read this together as the church. It says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his own power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price to glorify God in your body. And then also hear the word of Jesus to all men and women everywhere in John chapter 8, verse 12. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. You may be seated at this time. And this is just a reminder that this is a PG-13 subject this morning. And I encourage you, um, if you have children, we do have child care available in the building next to us. And before I start, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I want to pray for us um, as, a, as a body and as a people that we might submit to the Lord and what he might say to us this morning. So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. And I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you that you are Uh, that you love us enough to tell us the truth, that you love us enough to not only do that, but to provide ways in which we can follow you in this life. And I pray um, that for every one of us, Lord, as we think about the ways in which we have failed you, that we might be um, convicted to walk in holiness and to walk in truth, but to also recognize that your love is forever, from everlasting to everlasting. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for the pure and holy nourishment that comes from your word. And it's in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. Well, I'm going to welcome you here to White Oak this morning. I'm so glad you've chosen to worship with us. And I'll go ahead and just get it out there. This morning, we are talking about pornography. And uh, I I tried to imagine uh, what it might feel like in the room when I say the P word. And I imagine all the breath uh, would go out of the room. And I kind of feel that a little bit, so I'm not disappointed. But it's okay. You can breathe in and out. It's okay to breathe. Exhale. Uh, We're going to make it through this topic together this morning. And then we're going to have a nice Sunday lunch where we talk about how awkward it was during the sermon. So I'm glad you guys are here uh, this morning. I've entitled this sermon, Hope for a Generation of Porn Addicts. And I consider this to be probably my second most important sermon that I've ever delivered uh, in my life. And in fact, I consider it to be so important that over the past few days, uh, my wife and I collected as many notebooks as we could from the Walmarts in the area, as many as we could afford and as many as they had, so that you can have the ability to take notes this morning. You'll notice that there should be a notepad near you and men. Whether you look at porn every single night, Whether you look at porn once a week, twice a month, a few times a year, 
I want you to resist something. I want you to resist the urge this morning to get up and to go to the restroom. I want you to resist the urge this morning to get on your phone. I want you to resist the urge to be restless. And I want you to take notes this morning as if your life depended on it. Because it does. Know thy enemy. I believe that there is hope for a generation of porn addicts. I believe that there's hope for every single one of us who have struggled with this topic and who are deep in it today. There is hope for you. Jesus sets people free. If you're not struggling with porn right now, which I know that many of you are, you will be tempted to be enslaved to it at some point in your life. And this little notepad may be your ticket to freedom. If you're a woman in here this morning, I want to have a a brief word to you. Uh, First, I want to apologize to you. I apologize to you as someone who has looked at pornography in his life, and I apologize to you on behalf of every Christian man who has. I'm sorry that we have to have a sermon on this topic. If you're a woman in this room, you may be wondering, maybe you don't struggle with porn. You may be wondering, why why would anyone struggle with that? Especially someone who says that they're a follower of Jesus. Why would they look at something like that? And if that's you this morning, I want you to take notes as well. You should know about what's affecting more than half the people in this room. You should know about what's happening behind closed doors, not so that you can be disgusted by all men, not so that you can hold it over your spouse forever, but that instead you can be someone who exhorts and challenges and can support the men and the people in your life who struggle with this. That's the image of the church. The Bible says that we are called to bear one another's burdens, and part of doing that is helping other people in battles that you yourself may not fight. So if you're a woman in here this morning, I encourage you to take notes, and I'm also not naive enough to think that there aren't women in here who look at porn as well. Porn has no demographic, and if that's you this morning, there's hope for you as well. I believe that if together we look at God's Word, we trust Him with it, We work together that we can overcome the struggles we have in life, but only if we submit ourselves to the Word of God. I think we all know the stats, right? We know we live in an overly sexualized culture. We know that there are advertisements on Hulu and YouTube today. We know that there are scenes in PG-13 movies that would have been considered pornography 50 or 60 years ago. We know we live in an overly sexualized culture. You may have heard the stats before, 93% of boys 18 and under have been exposed to pornography. 62% of girls 18 and under have been exposed to it. And 70% of students say that they regularly watch porn at school on their phone. The first age of exposure to porn is age 11, and more than 70% of men between ages 31 and 49 admit to watching it regularly. And the younger you go, the higher the percentage goes. A few years ago, there was an article that was circulating, and I like to bring this up whenever I teach or talk about porn, and uh, there were some researchers at the University of Michigan, and they were trying to do a study on what porn does to the brain. So they were trying to do a study on it, and so they were going to have two groups, those who looked at porn and those who didn't. They were going to track them over time and see what effect it had um, on the people that looked at porn versus those who didn't. And uh, something happened in the study, and they had to... uh, They interviewed the lead researcher, and this is what he said. He said, we started our research seeking men in their 20s who never consumed pornography, but we couldn't find any. 
They had to scrap the study because they could not find a control group that had not looked at it. I think men have finally found something that we can all agree on. Men like porn. And out of all these statistics, I think the one that probably gets me the most, the one that hurts my heart the most, is that those who say that they're serious followers of Jesus are 91% more likely to look at porn than the general public. Those who say they're serious followers of Jesus, 91% more likely than the general public. And that's why we have to talk about it. We're seeing porn neuter a generation of Christian men. God has called us to be a set-apart generation, a city on a hill, an example of what the kingdom of God looks like in the world, to live holy lives in a starving world. God's called us to show women dignity and to flourish them in, in fellowship and in marriage. God's called us to be advocates for freedom everywhere, not contributors to human slavery and bondage. And yet, in so many ways, our generation has almost failed to launch because of porn. And I think it's worse for Christian men than for people who aren't Christians because if you're a Christian and you struggle with it, you've got the added guilt of the shame that you experience of dishonoring Christ with your body, right? People outside the church, they don't worry about that. It doesn't affect them as much. But we worry about what God thinks of us when we look at porn. Does he still love us? Does he like us? Is he totally disgusted with us, wants nothing to do with us anymore? I think it's harder for Christian guys. And so if you're a Christian guy in this room who struggles with it, there is hope, and I can relate to you. I think a Christian guy who struggles with porn has insecurity in a lot of different areas of his life. Maybe you're insecure in terms of, of rising up and becoming a man in this society. Maybe you have insecurity in terms of rising up and being a man and a father and a husband in your family because you've you got this thing that you're dealing with, and it's always there, and it's always on the back of your mind, and, and Satan whispers, you're not worthy, you're not worthy to lead. I think we have insecurity when those who look at porn like to step up in the church and, and lead. And I think there's insecurity there, so it keeps us from stepping up and going to the places where God wants us to go. And if that's you this morning, there's hope. If you look back at our passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 12, um, Paul says this. He says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Let's stop there. You may notice in your Bible that the phrase, all things are lawful for me, may have some quotations around it. Maybe it doesn't, some Bibles don't. Uh, but what a lot of scholars believe is that Paul is quoting someone or something that was very popular in the day of the Corinthian church. Basically, these were people who were saying, they were justifying their sin by saying, hey, all things are permissible, right? Anything goes. And so they were justifying that. So what Paul is saying, he's saying, hey, even if that is true, guess what? There are things that are not helpful to you. And then he goes on and says, hey, even if that's true, there are things in which the Bible says we should not be dominated by. So Paul says, all things may be lawful, but guess what? I will not be dominated by anything. And I think the evidence is becoming more and more clear. Porn dominates and rewires your brain. Porn is dominating and rewiring your brain. I was uh, trying to research some of the science behind what porn does to you, and it's really fascinating if it wasn't so uh, terrible. And I'm no scientist by any means, so I'm trying to explain some of the basic science that, I, I, if I understand it correctly, of what porn does to you. So um, your brain is hardwired to meet the needs of your body. 
So you've got natural things, you've got hunger, you've got thirst, you've got different things, and your brain is very good at figuring out how to satisfy those things. And so when you're hungry, your brain uh, releases a chemical called dopamine and allows you to figure out where you can satisfy your hunger. And the same goes with thirst, and the same goes with sexual drive. And so this works really, really well in a committed marriage whenever uh, you're in a committed marriage with your spouse. And so whenever you have sexual drive or desire, it actually drives you closer to your spouse. And so you get closer to closer in a one flesh relationship. And that's good. That's your brain. That's your biology working in your favor. But when it comes to porn, it sort of rewires your brain and it sends your brain almost on overdrive. And so the more you look at porn, the more your brain releases dopamine and the more your brain says, hey, remember where you got your last fix? That was the computer. That was the screen. That was the phone. Go back to that thing. And so you become more and more dependent. You get more and more bound to pornography when God intends that we get more and more bound with our wife. And the problem is, over time, that the brain releases so much dopamine that it actually gets overstimulated, and over time it actually releases less. Like, your brain is overexposed to it. And that's why a lot of people called porn the new drug. There's actually a website, Porn is the New Drug, and this is not even a Christian website. They're seeing these studies being done, and they're saying porn operates a lot like hard drugs does. So over time, you get... Uh, desensitized to pleasure, which is why you have to look at new uh, and, and different types of porn because you're not as satisfied as you were at first. It means that you get overly stimulated in real life whenever an attractive girl walks by or something like that. You're overly sensitized to sexual pleasure and it drives you back to porn. You've got triggers that other people don't have. And then it totally kills your willpower over time. So now we have a generation of men who are desensitized to pleasure who get sexually triggered even by innocent beauty, and who have absolutely no willpower when saying no to porn. Porn is neutering a generation of men. And I think this is especially worrisome in the Christian context because um, in reality, your sexuality either binds you to God or it chains you to sin. Your sexuality, how you use it, how you wield it, is either binding you to God or it's chaining you to sin. That's what the Bible says. God created sexuality as a way of knowing God, ourselves, and our spouse. But then the fall happened, right? And the fall tainted everything, including sexuality. And now it's possible for you to wield your sexuality in a way that either honors God by following his good command or by using it against God by not following his good command. So we can either honor God or dishonor God with our body. And I think that makes sense to me personally. It makes sense that something so good, something so central to biological life, that God would be a part of that. Right? God is the source of all good. And so it makes sense that God would be a part of our sexuality and that he would have something to say about it. So when you have sex with your spouse, you're being bound to your spouse and to God because you're obeying his good design. But Paul says that those who have sex with a prostitute bind themselves to evil, and that dishonors God. There's this binding, there's this spiritual and relational and emotional attachment that's happening with whoever we wield our sexuality toward. And maybe you're thinking this morning, well, I would never go to a prostitute, and yet I think what Jesus says, that whoever lusts after a woman in his eyes is committing adultery with her. So you bind yourself even to the things that you lust after. And let's get real, porn is prostitution. Porn is prostitution. Porn is not about sex. Porn is about money. 
The people who run that industry, they are all about money. They want to make addicts out of you because they can make money off of you. You may not know this, and I didn't know this until I was researching for this sermon, but there's, virtu- there's actually one company that virtually owns all the pornography on the internet, and the name of the company is MindGeek. Has anyone heard of MindGeek in here before? No one has heard of the company. So there's this company that virtually owns all porn on the internet, and none of us have heard of them before. So I went to their website, and I took a screenshot of it. And it's okay, it's, it's totally appropriate for church, but, but anyway, so I took a screenshot of their website, and uh, it's very benign, it's very bland, and they call themselves an exclusive technologies company driving unparalleled performance. They say that they're an IT company. They say we're an information technology company, and yet this company has an almost complete monopoly on all porn, both paid and pirated. They own over a hundred porn websites, including the one that you probably go to. They own several production studios. I won't name them by name, but you have probably heard them before. And once you realize, I was shocked by this, once you realize that 35% of all downloads on the internet are pornographic, you realize that MindGeek owns the internet. And yet none of us in here have ever heard of them before. So what you have is a generation of men addicted to pornography, and then you have the puppeteer that we have never heard before. MindGeek is the one who's behind virtually all of it. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to expose this company for what it is. Behind the facade of unclothed women, there's this company that's pulling the strings. They want to make you an addict. They want to take your money. And they want to destroy any chance that you have with intimacy with your spouse or with your future spouse. That's what they want for you. MindGeek is like a drug dealer that gives away free samples of heroin. They want to keep you hooked. Know thy enemy. This is who it is. MindGeek and companies like that. The funny thing is, MindGeek doesn't even care that you probably don't pay for the porn that you watch. You probably stream it because guess what? They own the sites you use to stream the porn you watch. So they own the porn and they own the sites that stream the porn. And so they make money either way. Whether you pay them for it or whether you just use their site, they make money off of advertising and they make money off of collecting and selling your data. Obviously, it's no surprise that a company like this has many, many lawsuits against it as porn actresses accuse it of rape and promoting violence and objectification of women, so they're constantly under litigation, and yet none of us have heard of them. They're based in Sweden, but you know what really gets me about this company? They had the gall to open up a headquarters here in Houston. They have the headquarters here in Houston, in our city, In the city that we're supposed to take and plant a flag for the gospel, a flag for righteousness and a flag for justice, they planted one of their headquarters in our city. This low-life company wants to keep us trapped. You see, they care about your sexuality because they care about your money. God cares about your sexuality because he cares about you. He doesn't want you to be enslaved. God wants you to be bound to him in a relationship that fulfills, that fulfills you and not chained to sin in a relationship that drains and empties you. Mind geek is all about deception. God is all about the truth. They hide in the shadows, but God tells you how it is. This morning, Jesus says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you want freedom this morning, you've got to know the truth. 
And part of knowing the truth is pulling the mask off the one who's making us all addicted. Part of knowing the truth is, is, is it feels sometimes like a cold shower that rains on our warm and cozy lives that we believe in. So that's part of what I want to do this morning. I want to expose the puppeteer, mind geek, and I also want to expose some lies that we believe whenever we look at porn. These are the lies that we tell ourselves. And the number one lie is, I'm the only one who knows. Can you guess the most popular times to look at porn? If you had to guess, just in your mind, what would you say it was? Between 11 p.m. and 3 a.m., right? After everyone goes to bed. So what porn does is it draws you away from people into isolation and into seclusion. And what your flesh does with that is it tricks you into thinking that you're the only one who knows about your habit. But the Bible is crystal clear and we know this. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. If we go to the next slide, I know that uh, everyone in this room uh, knows what this screen is. I'm sure you've seen this in the room. If you're a guy in here, uh, if you say you've never seen this screen before, then you, I, I might believe you, but you're probably lying. So if you don't know what it is, maybe for the women in the room, uh, this is a private browsing tab, and it's also called incognito mode if you're using Chrome, depending on the browser that you use. And when you open up one of these tabs, you can surf the internet without it keeping a record on your computer of what you looked at. which is obviously very helpful for someone who's looking at porn, right? So they can look at porn, you can look at it, and then once you close this tab, then the next person who gets on the computer doesn't see what you look at, right? It's called a private browsing tab. And I think what that does, though, is it gives us the illusion of secrecy when in reality there's nothing hidden. And I use Firefox's screen because I love their disclaimer. If you look at the very bottom, it says, Private browsing doesn't make you anonymous on the internet. Your employer or an internet service provider can still know what page you visit. Firefox is preaching for me this morning. The only thing I would add is that God knows as well. And I bring that up to say this. If you struggle with porn, you've got to be honest with yourself and with God that you struggle with it. And sometimes I think this idea of using private browsing, you say, oh, I'm struggling with porn, I'm trying to get over it. You use private browsing, you're still trying to hide it. You're still trying to hide it from other people and you're still trying to hide it from God. But he knows and he calls us, he beckons us out into the light. When Adam and Eve sinned, they hid in the bushes and God said, where are you? Come back to me. Lie number one, I'm the only one who knows. Lie number two, I'm not hurting anyone. If you look back at verse 18 of our text in 1 Corinthians, Paul says this. He says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So you sin against yourself. And then number two, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Porn hurts everyone. Porn hurts God because he created both men and women in his image and it hurts his heart when people made in his image are injectified for our pleasure. Porn hurts you as it rewires your brain and dominates your brain and makes it more and more difficult for you to find uh, satisfaction in having real relationships with real imperfect women. Porn hurts your spouse. Oh, does it hurt your spouse. If you've actually manned up and told your spouse that you deal with porn, 
you will always remember the look in her eyes as you begin to describe the things that you've looked at. And it'll always stick with you. Porn hurts your spouse because it raises in her feelings of inadequacy. As she wonders, am I not satisfying enough? Am I not good looking enough? Does he not find me attractive enough? And if you're not married, trust me, you will bring that into your marriage. Obviously, porn hurts women everywhere as they're turned into objects. As teenagers more and more are stupidly sharing nude pictures of themselves. And those go viral throughout schools. And there's all kinds of uh, counseling in relation to that. Porn hurts women everywhere as we forget that we're lusting after someone's wife, daughter, or sister. And porn hurts the church. Porn hurts the church as we lose our ability to to proclaim God's ability to free us from things. So imagine you're outside the church, right? And you're looking in and you've got struggles in your life. And you're like, man, they're, they're worse and they're addicted to things more than I am. It hurts our ability to proclaim what God can do in our life. Lie number two, I'm not hurting anyone. Lie number three, I have it under control. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Brothers, you don't have your addiction under control. It controls you. You cannot manage it. The Bible says you have to kill it. I was prepping for this sermon, and uh, does anyone watch Planet Earth in here? I love the series. Not the Sigourney Weaver one, but the other one. I don't know. There's like a British guy. Is that the name of the series, darling? Is Okay, Planet Earth. So we're watching this series, right? And in the series, it follows animals, and you learn a lot about them. And we were watching one where there were water buffalo sort of like traveling down the plains. They're migrating, all that kind of stuff, right? And, uh, and, and, and what's really interesting about what lions do is they look for the weak, right? The lions look for the weak. The lions look for the isolated and so we're watching this video and we see the uh, water buffalo traveling on the plane and then you see the lions come right and the lions are stalking and they don't go after the herd they'll go after the ones who are parted from the earth the ones who are a little bit too far out and I bring that up because I think biologically we are apex predators biologically humans are at the top of the food chain but the bible says spiritually you are prey The Bible says spiritually we are sheep. Satan is the lion, not us. We are the sheep. So every one of us who looks at porn is in mortal danger. We don't have it under control. And then lie number four, I have no way out. And out of all the lies that I've talked about this morning, I think that's the one that I hate the most. I hate the most because that is a lie straight from hell. The Bible says that Jesus has come to set us free. It says if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. The Bible says that God sent Jesus to proclaim liberty to those who are captives, including those who are captive to lust. The porn industry is in the chain-making business. Jesus is in the chain-breaking business. Jesus has the ability to overcome Therefore, Jesus can give you the ability to overcome. And while we will not be perfect in this life, the Bible says that we can be free from habitual sin. To think that we can't is a lie from Satan. God does not care about the statistics. God can defeat porn. Jesus can defeat porn. And in Jesus, you and I can defeat porn. Porn is defeatable. 
Porn is defeatable. It is true. It is a reality. That's part of the reason that we worship God is because he loves us and he sets us free. He breaks the chains of addiction. He breaks the chains of sin in our life. So the biggest lie that you can believe this morning is that there is no way out. I believe that God offers outlets to the sexually frustrated. Lust is sin, right? Make no mistake. But I think that people, especially Christians, don't start looking at porn because they want to disobey God, right? They look at porn because they're frustrated in some way in their life. I don't think we start out looking at porn because we want to be addicts. We go to porn because we are created with sexuality and we must be taught how to use it rightly. So if you're unmarried in here this morning, culture says you got two options. Casual sex and porn, right? You can hop on Tinder and you have sex tonight. That's what culture says. Or you can look at porn. It's even easier, right? Hop on your phone and you can be gratified almost instantly. But God does offer two legitimate ways and you probably won't like them. Number one, suffering and self-discipline in the Holy Spirit Number two, marriage. See, the lie is that you are unable to control your body. And yet what Paul says, he says, I train my body for righteousness. I teach it how to be holy. The Bible says that we have the ability not only to manage sin, but to create new desires in our heart. Just as porn raises up lustful thoughts in your heart, the Holy Spirit raises up good and holy thoughts in your heart. So filling your life with the things of God, like Bible, prayer, and service to God, cultivates in your heart a deeper satisfaction for God. But make no mistake, if you want to be sexually pure, you must suffer. Suffering is the path to righteousness. There's no easy way around it. We must suffer to be sexually pure. And I think Jesus and the Apostle Paul are two examples of unmarried men who cultivated such a rich satisfaction in building the kingdom of God in this world that sexual desire had nothing on them. It could not compete with their drive to make this world a place of justice, to spread the kingdom of God. They were so passionate about that that porn could not compare So if you're a single guy in here, throw yourself into the ministry of the word, into service to others, and porn will lose some of its luster. As guys, we train our mind to appreciate beauty, but we can also appreciate our mind to see the beauty of the gospel and of God. Secondly, God knows that it's difficult to go that route, right? God knows it's difficult to suffer your whole life in this way, so he offers you another alternative, and it's called marriage. And the problem with that in our generation is we want things the quick way. But Paul says if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it's better to marry than to burn with passion. You want sexual gratification? Put in the work. If you're a single man in here and you want sexual gratification, you've got to first become a man who undergoes the hard work of courting, dating, and marrying a woman. If you're a married man in here, you want sexual gratification, you have to first undergo the hard work of loving, leading, and romancing your wife. Put in the work, and the Lord will gratify you. See, God provides outlets for sexual frustration, but we have to follow his good path. It's a path that leads to holiness and to righteousness. 
The truth is, if you look at porn, you will never be free in the shadows. I know that for a fact, personally in my own life, and I know it's true. When you keep your porn addiction a secret, it thrives. It grows. It's like the fungus. I forgot what it's called, but there's a type of mushroom or type of fungus that can, that can grow without any sunlight. And that's what porn is. It grows in the closet, but when it's exposed to the light, it shrinks. When you are isolated, you are weak. But together, we are strong. See, the problem with coming out of the shadows into the light is a few things. First, Satan doesn't want you to do that. So Satan will start telling you some lies. And one of the lies that he's going to say is that you're the only one who struggles with it. That if you were to out yourself maybe to someone else or to the pastor, that they would look at you in disgust and that no one else is dealing with that. That's a lie. Everyone's dealing with that. Satan also likes to say if you come out into the open about it, then that means that it's going to shatter your image that you try to construct. Your social media perfect image, when you come out, it shatters that. And God says that's necessary because we're all broken, and he knows that, and we know that. You see, I don't want to be a church of perfect people, because if we're a church of perfect people, then that means we're hiding a lot of stuff. I want to be a church of broken people who are coming together as a community of faith, helping each other in this life. So what I want to do this morning is I want to take a stand. And I am calling on every man in this room, or woman, who deals with this issue to step out of the shadows and into the light. I think this is the moment where people start like gripping their seats. They're like, oh man, what's James going to ask us to do this morning, right? Every head bowed, raise your hand. I'm not going to make you do that this morning. But I do want to try to convince you that the light is better than the darkness. Isaiah chapter 2 says, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 9 says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. John chapter 8, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will walk not in darkness, but in light. And once, one more, 1 John 1, 7 says, As we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and we're purified. There is power in confession. God turns your vulnerability and turns it into power. The power to overcome. See, the problem with accountability, which is really what we're talking about here, sharing your life with someone else, the problem with accountability is that we do it once and we think we're good. Right? We shared, we shared in that small group one time, we shared a struggle, and then we don't talk about it anymore. But I think if something happens habitually, it has to be habitually confessed. That's the only way over it. And I think the other problem with accountability is that we get with our Christian buddies, right? And we're like, oh man, I struggled with porn this week. And they're like, oh yeah, I struggled with porn this week. And like, man, it's just so hard to be pure. And it's like, yeah, it's a tough world. And then that's it. That's not true accountability. And I think Mark Driscoll uh, is a popular pastor. I think he says it really, really well. And uh, this may come as a cold punch to you, but I think it's worth saying. Driscoll says the cold hard truth is that most guys' struggles are only known by their fellow Christian buddies. And unless Christian dudes man up and stop arguing about stupid secondary theological issues and spend their energies holding one another accountable to get dominion over their underwear, then Christian friendship is nothing more than Christian fakery. Ouch. You'll never get traction over your fight against porn until you start confessing to your wife. 
You'll never get traction over your fight against porn until you begin to confess it to people who are truly going to hold you accountable to walk in holiness and in righteousness. So that's why we as a church are taking this seriously and we've launched what we're calling the I Am Ready campaign. And the I Am Ready campaign is an aim that we're having in the church to stem the tide of pornography in our church and in the church at large. And so you'll notice here a link to our website at whiteoakchurch.net. And uh, if you go to the sign up tab and you go to the I Am Ready tab, you'll notice that there's a form that you can fill out. And if you fill out this form, it will send an email to me, and I'll have your information. It'll be only me, only me and Pastor John. No one else in the church will know. We respect your vulnerability. But if you're ready to give up porn, like for real, for real this time, you know, for real, fill out this form, send it to us, and I will commit to emailing you every week for the next three months. I'll email you every week and I'll ask you about your porn usage. And the point of this email will not be to hold it over you or to judge you, but to walk with you, to pray with you, to hold you up and to actually hold you accountable to being holy. I want every man in our church who struggled with porn over the past year to man up, fill this form out, and find accountability. I think this is the first step toward freedom. There's a lot of other things that we can talk about. There's a lot of other ways in which you can overcome the flesh. But I think this is number one. True accountability and stepping out into the light. So as we draw to a close this morning, I want to remind you that I'm calling you to honor God with your body. Whether you're a man, whether you're a woman... Honor him with your mind, honor him with your heart, honor him with your emotions, honor him with your eyes. Be like Job who said, I make a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. But I'm also calling us here as we close to remember that the goal is not to be porn free, it's to be free. And you see, God's love is the only thing that ultimately sets us free. You're not going to find victory through guilt. You're not going to find victory through willpower. You're only going to find victory as you dive deeper and deeper into God's love for you. God wants you to be porn free, but he also wants you to be free from guilt. He wants you to be free from wondering if you're good enough. Now, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is uh, the Apostle Peter one time was talking to Jesus and he wanted to show how loving he was. And he was saying, Lord, if someone sins against me seven times in a day, should I forgive them seven times? That's pretty extravagant. What does Jesus say back? He says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven times. And what Jesus was trying to do in that moment is show the extravagant love of God for us. You could be the most porn-addicted dude in this room. Watch it 24-7, seven days a week. And you could watch it tonight after the sermon, feel so bad about it. You know what? God's love for you has not changed one iota. The Bible says that Jesus knew what was in man. Jesus knows the deepest and darkest places of our heart. And guess what? He still went to the cross. There are things that you and I have thought things that maybe you've done, that if everyone else in this room knew them, they would run away in horror, right? 
But Jesus went to the cross. And sometimes I think that when we think about Jesus on the cross, we think he just died for the sins that everyone is okay with. Sins like pride. He died for my gossip. He died for my impatience. But guess what? He also died for your raging porn addiction. He loves you. And he has a plan of, of, good, um, of a good way for your life. Jesus radiated God's glory perfectly. And he made it possible for you to also radiate God's glory in this life. I have to say, you can't delete your browser history, but Jesus can. (laughs) He can delete it, and he can set you on a new path. As powerful as porn feels to you, the Bible says it's dead to you. And you're dead to it, and you're alive to Christ. So I encourage you this morning, two things. One is to know that you are loved deeply by God. Nothing you can do can change that. But two, that Jesus wants to set you free. He wants to set you free. He wants you to walk in holiness in this life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word that's true that doesn't try to mask things, that doesn't try to um, tickle our ears, but instead shows us the truth. You don't hide in the shadows. You tell us straight up. So I pray, Lord, that this might be the day where every one of us steps out of the shadows and walks into the light. I pray for the men and women in this room who may struggle with this concept. I pray that you would give them power pray that you would forgive us, and I pray that you would walk with us in this life and make us deeper and deeper in your love. We love you, and it's in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.